jeito de viver Ninguém nunca foi igual A minha vida é fazer O bem vencer o mal Pelo mundo vir Okay, welcome to another episode of Mon Men. I am Yanato Baloo here with Michael Darling once again And this week we have special guest Hi, I'm Michael Chow Joining us to face off against Michael Darling in this week's run of Pokemon Knowledge. You make it sound like Thunderdome. It always is Thunderdome. This is Pokemon. We're talking evolution. It is survivalism. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole like game and world revolves around two animals kind of killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> they faint. They never die. They faint. See, I love Chow already because he agrees with me on the whole, this is just... It's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> like Pikachu kills those Spearow in the first. And what's weirder is it's not like an underworld. This is like a public sport. <laughs> <laughs> the whole civilization is based on dog fighting. Yeah. All right. But well. to be fair, if you saw a dog that could shoot fire fighting a dog that could shoot lightning, you'd be into that. <laughs> you know, I can't say I wouldn't be. All right. Well, well, before we begin our true Thunderdome spirit of the episode, yeah. Mr. Chow, if you could give us a little bit of an uh, introduction to yourself and your background of Pokemon. Um, I think I had the same experience that like a lot of kids did. Um, I loved the cartoon. I played red and blue. Uh, I got the trading cards, but I didn't really like play against people. I just thought they looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember getting up like every morning because I used to play it on um, WB. Uh, they used to play like every morning at like 7 a.m. So I'd like wake up early just to watch that before school. So like, I have a lot of fond feelings towards Pokemon, but I haven't kept up with it as much as like other people have really. Same. Yeah. I'm just now getting back into it thanks to this uh, podcast odyssey that <laughs> Michael Darling and I have undertaken. So welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, and now if we can get into that Thunderdome survivalism challenge that I mentioned, would you like to play a game, Mr. Chat? Absolutely. In the Pokemon World version of Thunderdome, the Tina Turner is saying we don't need another Heracross. <laughs> Well, what we do need is this week's recording from my mom. And what we have is my mom describing one of this week's Pokemon. Now, to summarize, we'll be going through three families today. The Paris family, the Venonat family, and the Diglett family. This is one of those episodes I've been looking forward to for a while because we've got some real interesting discussions on hive mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a real weirdo. So let me start off by playing the recording from my mom, and you all will guess as to which Pokemon my mom is trying to describe and name here. This photo is a lookalike of the lovely Flintstone. I will name it Pompata. All right, Mr. Chow, would you like to offer your guess first? <laughs> first of all, I to say that your mom's adorable. <laughs> yeah, thank you. What's her name for this Pokemon again? Pompatom. Pompatom. Does that mean anything? Nope, it's just the sense she got from it. Okay. <laughs> I feel like someone out there needs to do a playthrough of Let's Go, or any game, really, any of the Pokemon games, but nicknaming them after the names your mom gives them. <laughs> I think I need to restart my Let's Go Eevee playthrough <laughs> just for this. <laughs> but Mr. Chow, if you could lead us off, please. Uh, so she, men she mentions that uh, this character is uh, it's a lookalike of Flint Fred Flintstone. A Flintstone? The lovely Flintstone. The lovely Flintstone. Out of the like, characters we're covering uh, tonight, I feel like the one that looks the most like a Hanna-Barbera character <laughs> is Diglett. Are we going to go with regular Diglett or Alolan Diglett? Oh, sorry, what's the Alolan Diglett? So Alolan Diglett has a little uh, blonde, little pokey hair at the top. Oh, none of the Flintstones. It's pronounced poke hair. Poke hair. Ah. Well, none of the Flintstones had that sort of hair, so I think it'd have to be the regular Diglett. Okay. Mr. Darling, your guess? I think it's also... Well, I think it's somewhere in the Diglett line, because maybe it has the same nose as mm -hmm. Barney. Uh, let's see. Chow, you did regular Diglett? Or... I did regular okay. Diglett. Uh, since he's going original recipe, I think I'm going to go extra crispy and go with a Lowland Diglett. Gentlemen, the scoreboard remains frozen. What? Both of you are wrong. It is a Lolan Dugtrio. Oh! Now, I can actually explain her thinking on this one without even having had to ask her. It's the <laughs> swoopy blonde hair, which I will address later on because I have some issues with it, oh, okay. um, that reminded her of Barney. <laughs> oh! 
Well, I was and right on the, the nose. And the picture I sent her actually had one of the Doug Trio heads winking. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> also, I was looking through Google Images last night. So it's a the, saucy Doug Trio. The Pokemon. Is it the one that has like kind of a wig looking thing? Yeah, we'll okay. get to that. We'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, okay. Uh, but before we do, we're going to start off with the Paris line. So, Mr. Darling, if you could give us the biography on this one, please. Oh, uh, you first encountered this weirdo at Mount Moon, because that's where it's where all the weirdos hang out, apparently. It's like the Pokemon equivalent of underneath the bleachers at the high school. <laughs> uh, and it's a bug grass type, which is the first time that we've encountered this dual type. And we don't really see it again until Gen 4 with the plant form of Wormadam and Gen 5 with the Suwato line. So my initial reaction, and I want to take the lead here, is just to say that I am extremely uncomfortable talking about this Pokemon because I just have a weird visceral discomfort with the concept of fungi. Oh yeah, um, they're, they're oh, gross. Yeah. They are very gross, and just the concept of how they reproduce, which is essentially if you were to scratch your armpit and then just kind of flick, <laughs> and then like ten more of you That's grew up out of the earth. That's very efficient, though. It is extremely efficient, but yeah. it just it freaks me you out. <laughs> If this were in a video, you could see that I'm shivering every other <laughs> statement I make about fungi. So this is, and then add in the fact that the Paris line has this mind control aspect yeah. to it about I mean, the fungi. I was shivering at the thought of ten more Baloo's in the room, but well, we all have our things, darling. <laughs> but someday, someday. <laughs> so that's my so my that's my initial reaction to it. But you know, in spite of that visceral reaction and that visceral fear that I have to fungi. So wait, you're more scared of the mushroom than like the bug creature. I mean, the mushroom's exerting mind control on that's the bug. That's true. Which is just the weirdest thing. I mean, I will say that the bug, the little lobstery kind mm -hmm. of like clicky clicky bug, is very cute. It's supposed to be based on a cicada nymph. I just got like a very like land lobster feel from it, but. I can see that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love it. Would I think... you want to, like, crawling up in your bed at night? Oh, God, no. Yeah, I still it'd, don't. it'd be horrible. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's the kind of thing that I would, like, be less afraid to see in, in the wild than sure. I would other bugs. Because it's, That's like, it's got true. the big eyes. Yeah. It just looks happy and sweet. Yeah. But it is the size of a small dog, so... Yeah, and I mean, it's helping... It apparently helps, like, fertilizing the earth with its mushrooms and all that. Mm -hmm. um, so it can spread its mushroom all over the earth. Yeah, but I mean, it's the so so the real thing is is like, what is the Paris really? What is a yeah. Paris really if it isn't the mushroom? What we're really talking about is a fungus Pokemon here that has taken control mm -hmm. of a little sweet lobster baby boy. So do we know if the lobsters have had like a life before these mushrooms take over? <laughs> or uh, we only seem to encounter them in the wild with the mushrooms on their back. There is a scene in the anime where we see them a little bit scared and they start depositing their mushrooms in the ground, which proves that even when they remove the mushrooms, they're still slaves to the mushrooms, our poor lobster boys. My, my major take on this, as far as the design was concerned, is that, and I've always made this argument for that, that I have a huge crush on Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Tremendous crush oh, on Anne beautiful. Hathaway. Yeah, she's absolutely, but she's not, I don't think that she's, necessarily like in terms of individual features i don't think she has a single individual feature that like is conventionally attractive but it just all works together so beautifully like it's just such a study in like how attractiveness kind of transcends like certain uh you know standard concepts sure. um and she's just gorgeous for it. Yeah. And I think the Paris is kind of the same thing. It's all these parts of like different bugs and cicadas and lobster, <laughs> mushroom, weird offset buggy eyes. And it's just adorable, sure. despite the fact that I hate mushrooms and fungi. Yeah. <laughs> You're comparing Anne Hathaway to a lobster mushroom yeah, yeah, parasite. Not flattering at all. In the words of Key and Peele's valets, they're hating on the Hathaways. <laughs> just me, not that. Okay. So. But um, but yeah, no, I I that's I'm gonna start doing a thing where I actually try to find like a celebrity lookalike for future Pokemon. You're saying Paris looks like Pan Hathaway, <laughs> or at least a parallel, like a spirit, like it's like it's her spirit Pokemon. It's not like, it's not like Peter Laurie or something. Some of us would like to meet Anne Hathaway, and yeah. if this podcast goes big, this could end disastrously like for that a ambition. Nice lady. It's mean to compare her to like a bug. She with... seems lovely. I started this out by saying that this is all love, Miss Hathaway. If you're listening they're hating on the hathaways <laughs> this is all love i love paris i love you <laughs> please come on the podcast and be our guest for the mewtwo episode <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Anne Hathaway, if you're listening, please, we want to know your thoughts on Mewtwo. I mean, we're getting this extremely creepy mind-controlled bug out of the way for you, so let's uh, let's get to the good stuff. Are you implying Anne Hathaway is a mind-controlled bug? No, I did not say that at all. I was talking purely from just like a how the bug ends up being so cute. Because that's like the Hathaway. You guys are completely you guys are completely ignoring the front loading of this comparison, which is that I love this bug. But and you despite still made the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> so, what so, are your thoughts on the design, Chow? Ah, uh, so I, I thought it was like I remember in the game I always found it like very creepy, but I actually went and like uh, knowing how to do this podcast, I listened to a uh, sorry, I watched a couple episodes last night, and like the the Paris in the episode is like very cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a cute little. It's the big watery eyes. I yeah. think like it manages to push it over to cute territory. Sure. When it could be. Just completely terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like its evolution, I love Parasect because it's a zombie. It has been possessed by this mushroom. It is under total control of the mushroom. The mushroom is giant and the body remains the same. <laughs> yeah, and when we say giant mushroom, the mushroom is apparently three feet tall. Like, it goes from having these, like, cute little, like, Super Mario mushrooms on its back, which, like, I remember from the cartoon, like, I don't remember the episode at all that had Paris in it, but I do remember, like, this mental image from my childhood of seeing, like, the little Paris, like, picking the mushroom off its back yeah. and planting it in the ground. It was just the cutest little thing. Yeah, it was little, the little first... forest workers. It was the first episode of the series I ever saw, so I have some affinity for Paris because of that. But, yeah. But Paris and... act. But then Parasect is just this, like, buried under the crushing weight of its mushroom. <laughs> it's like this gigantic, horrifying, three-foot-tall, again, I have to emphasize this, three-foot-tall mushroom, which is just, like, speaking to my visceral fear of fungi. <laughs> it's a nightmare on oh, yeah. spindly insect legs for me. Um, and any insect being that big. Like, yeah. if the mushroom is three feet tall, that means the Paris is, like, a solid, like, foot long. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've already dealt with foot-long bugs, back to Caterpie, but that's still That's so weird ones. to me. Yeah. So. But the thing I love is the eyes. The eyes are completely white. It is no longer in control of its own body. It's all mushroom now. Yep. It's more mushroom than so man. So the is actually sentient, then? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I would think so. I mean, there are instances in real-world biology of other creatures having their bodies overtaken by parasites okay. within them. Mm -hmm. So this is a surprisingly, again, grounded Pokemon in terms of concept. I don't know if it's necessarily fungi, but there are parasites. There's, like, the, um, the ant that possesses, like, the bee. Oh, yeah. Like Bingo. Yeah. I think my favorite is there's this little fish that will bite out bigger fish's tongues and then become its replacement tongue oh and this God. yeah the ocean is scary <laughs> yeah we that's why i'm glad that even though the earth is 70 percent ocean <laughs> we don't live in it we are oh, <laughs> well saying this in los angeles we're 10 miles away from it but right. we're first to be victim to it if they finally make their march on us day of the um, dolphin yeah but um but you know one one thing that we've touched on is uh the real world parallels and inspirations from these games and we mentioned our uh previous podcast host turned digimon host for being left in bill's pc now rest in peace uh, brett rest in peace brett um who we talked about real world parallels and it's interesting that parasect has an odd trivia point in its pokemon stadium entry which is that it literally references china Oh, really? Um, which is that, yeah, Chinese medicine, like, it uses its mushrooms for Chinese medicine. So in the Pokemon world, despite the fact that we have a Paris equivalent that is not Paris and so on and so forth, sure. they do have China. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the Pewter City Museum, which I gotta say, not a great museum. They've got, like, a couple of skeletons and then a random moon, uh, moon landing display, but with a space shuttle, I think. But Wait, so what countries are left in they, the Pokemon universe? Well, we know America because Lieutenant Surge is the fighting American. And what I was going to say is that there's an old man looking at that moon landing exhibit and being like, oh, yes, I remember the moon landing. That was great. And you're like, okay, thank you. Why are you here in this game? <laughs> yeah, so do we, and I mean, we can like discuss this further on another fan theory episode maybe, but do we think that America lost the Pokemon War and oh, that Lieutenant so. Surge is like an abandoned GI who just like <laughs> decided to make, <laughs> make a life for we're himself? We're definitely not the superpower anymore. Not when like, uh, Pokemon takes place in Japan, right? Well, kind of. I mean, I mean, the first inspired regions yeah, are. Yeah. The first Japan. four regions are. Like Japan inspired, and then the fifth one is New York inspired. Okay. And then France and Hawaii are the other two. And I mean, yeah. considering that the New York inspired one does and it does have certain theories associated with it, that it is the fallout region from 
uh, a success, a much more successful 9/11 attack. Oh my god! <laughs> I, <laughs> hence, so I, much don't that one. I don't co-sign that one. I don't co-sign that one. I was talking to Darling about this earlier, but so in this world, like Pokemon have always always existed, right? Or are they? A new Seems phenomenon? like. Yeah. Seems like, but they're always discovering new ones, which seems weird to me. Yeah. And so I think that that means that arm racing took on a very different uh, <laughs> form in terms of like, it was not about who could uh, split the atom first. It was about, about like, who got the Charizard first. Yeah. Right? <laughs> who, who was number one to Mewtwo. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they were like, Mewtwo is something they designed, right? They were yeah. trying to build a super weapon, basically. Yeah. J. Robert Oppenheimer is surveying the Mewtwo project. I think it was because America just put all its stock into fighting Pokemon. So do you think Japan won the World War II? I think so. <laughs> I think that's why the fighting American Lieutenant Surge is the only American you see in all of Kanto. So he's kind of a novelty in Kanto. They're like, oh, he lost, but he's okay. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I was going to say, though, about all that, there's this great old, like, 4chan before it went super Nazi, uh, copy pasta, where it was like just this crazy timeline of some kind of apocalyptic war and everything. And then the last line is Ash Ketchum begins his Pokemon journey. <laughs> so while we may speculate about the history of the Pokemon <laughs> universe in terms of potential world Pokemon wars, um, one thing I can say for certain is that unlike Mon. Unlike other episodes where we've had fairly illogical, weird jumps in Pokemon evolution, and we will have much more radical jumps coming up, uh, this Paris evolution is a very logical one, surprisingly. Gets bigger, the mushroom gets bigger, takes over the Pokemon. This makes sense. What I don't think makes sense is the next Pokemon evolution line that we'll get to, which is Venonat. Yep. So, darling, if you could cue us up, please. Venonat's interesting. You first encountered this one... On, well, the earliest is on Route 12, but the weird thing is like Route 12 through 14, the only patches of grass are hidden behind cuttable bushes. So you probably won't encounter one until Route 15, where, are the, where there are those scattered kind of, you can walk around them, open patches of grass, and then you might encounter them at the Safari Zone. So it is highly possible for you to not encounter a Venonat through normal means, depending on how you walk around in the world. And it's a bug-slash-poison type, which is a good dual type, which we've seen before with the Weedle line. And just an interesting little bit of stat nerdery here for me. 33 out of the original 151 are poison or part poison. Venonat and Venomoth are the 20th and 21st, respectively, in that lineup. So we're almost done with the poisons, believe it or not. We've done 21 poison types, but we have yet to get to any fighting, psychic, rock, ice, ghost, or dragon monsters. And... Only three of the Kanto decks is 32 water types. So wrapping this all up, with Tentacruel and Tentacruel being the only in Gen 1 water poison types, 53, sorry, no, 63 out of the original 151 Pokemon are either water or poison. What the fuck is biodiversity? I mean, the Earth is 70% water. Yeah. <laughs> See, that makes sense to me, but the Earth isn't, like, six, uh, let's say, what, 20% poison? Well, actually, that's most things in the world will kill you. <laughs> yeah, go out and go out in the world right now and yeah. try to eat eighty percent of the things. Yeah, you can't eat most mushrooms. <laughs> when they make the Australia region, it's going to be like fifty percent bug or no, sorry, fifty percent poison or fighting. <laughs> Clearly, you weren't a Boy Scout because you cannot eat most leaves. No. I'm a fucking yeah. Eagle Scout. <laughs> the lesser scout. <laughs> it's literally top of the line. It's like the highest honor. It is the male equivalent of the Girl Scout gold badge. I'm hearing a lot of scout privilege here. <laughs> so, so, darling, I remember way back in now the, uh, the olden days of this podcast, you did mention that Butterfree may have been switched with this potential line and you know looking at the venonat design especially you can see a lot of similarities with like mm. butterfree's little like pink nose and fangs and venonat's very similar yeah. facial features same coloration too. yeah the eyes i think the eyes are the biggest factor here on this maury povitz style dna <laughs> test uh because the theory is that venonat sorry venomoth and butterfree got switched at some point in pre-production mm. so venonat would become butterfree and uh, Metapod would become uh, Benno Moth. Obviously, the names probably would have been different. Uh, so, Venonat and Butterfly have similar colors and eyes, while Venomoth's eyes are more similar to the pupil style eyes, the like normal cartoony pupil eyes 
that you see on Caterpie and Metapod. Metapod? What am I? Am I like? <laughs> am I from Boston now? Metapod. Metapod. You are the very Pokemon Metapod. <laughs> Dory, darling, you are the very model of a modern major general. You can you can take a breath. Um, but the one thing that I find interesting is that Venonat, despite being kind of this weird like Venom parallel to the Caterpie line, doesn't have a like uh, Venom like the Spider-Man character. Well, no, well, yeah, I guess it's so. The evil version. I guess it is, yeah. <laughs> I guess it is the symbiote version of Caterpie. Um, Tom Hardy have... makes out with Venonat. <laughs> but it doesn't have like a Venipod, like Cocoon, sure. in there. Um, and, you know, to kind of jump, to bounce into the Venomoth discussion a little bit, mm -hmm. um, the Venomoth design just feels it's another one that i'm gonna that i'm gonna hate on as very phoned in mm. it's just like all right we just need another flying like bug to finish things off we've already done the wasp we've already done a butterfly <laughs> now let's do a moth and it looks like a moth it accomplishes <laughs> what it needs to do it's just it's my same opinion of zubat which is just like they had a goal with this even, thing like venonat looks lazy it looks like one of those like Furry, like fuzzy balls you'd get in like arts and crafts. Oh, the weeples that you yeah. get from magazine drives. It's like a bunch of children designed it. It's like the kind of crappy art I used to make in arts and crafts at Sunday school, and my mom had to pretend it was so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think it's the perfect blend of adorable and disgusting. So. Was your mom like, ah, oh, Baloo, this is Barney from the Flintstones. <laughs> well, the thankfully, lovely Flintstone, thank you very much. Thankfully, my mom did not start calling me Baloo until I was like 18. <laughs> so she was Picking me up from Sunday school, she was not saying, oh, Baloo. <laughs> yeah, the only thing of note, I think, on the Venomoth design is the crest. The crest is nice, it's neat, it's recognizable, but otherwise, yeah, it's a moth. It's a moth, and I just think it looks extremely dumb. And not, like, yes. dumb in terms of, like, it being a lame design, but dumb in the sense that I worry that this Pokemon forgets to breathe from time to time. <laughs> it like, doesn't, like, go like, goofy googly eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks like a little bit like dysfunctional. It looks a little <laughs> bit dysfunctionally dumb. Um, but the interesting zoology here is also that, like, in the Pokedex, it's noted that this thing releases venom anytime it flaps its wings. Really? So this thing is just like a walking biohazard, like yeah. a flying biohazard throughout every forest, wherever it is. Um, which I just think it's weird that, like, anywhere you're going in a forest, if a venom moth happens to be passing yeah. through the area, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. How do you even, like, domesticate something like that? Mm. We'll I discuss just, that in Mon's world. <laughs> I just like that in the red and blue Pokedex, it says that the dusk-like scales on its wings are color-coded to indicate what kind of poison it has, which I think is very nice of it, so that if you've got a little field guide and you're like, oh, it's that kind of poison that's going to kill me today. So it just like leaves like a like pixie dust trail? <laughs> yeah. So just like with butterflies and actual moths, I, there probably is like speciation within Venomoths, which people have explored on Tumblr. There are Tumblrs that kind of explore like different types of like speciation of like individual Pokemon that I've seen. And so maybe there are just like there are different kinds of moths. Maybe there are different kinds of Venomoths, which I want to speculate on in Mon's world teaser for later in the episode. But this is the one I've really been looking forward to. And this is the one that I was so excited about that even though I thought it was going to be easy for you guys to figure out, but my mom managed to stump you guys, uh, the Diglets. Having four different types to choose from was really hard. Yeah. It helped. Yeah. <laughs> I like I did I will admit, I will confess, I did tell my mom do not mention the number three in your description. Because uh, hmm. so. I was like, that Is would that give it away. On your part. She said Flintstones, plural. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, three Flintstones with blonde hair. <laughs> Flintstones, <laughs> lovely Flintstones. His other family members. Oh, actually, the Bam Bam has got blonde hair. Yes. Yeah. So, darling, well, he's I got know. kind of white hair, doesn't he? <laughs> so you're really Bam Bam is actually just a tiny old man. Actually, Bam Bam's not even their kid because they adopt Bam Bam. Yeah, they find Bam Bam. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. He's like a yeah. found baby. That's why he's like so. That's like part of the thing is like he's so freakishly strong. And he's a feral child. Yes, he's a feral child. Yeah. Um, rules. That, <laughs> that being said, darling, uh, if you can help me out here with some bio information on Diglett, I know it's found in a cave. Which cave? Diglett's cave. You're kidding. Seriously. <laughs> Diglett's cave, which I want to point out that there's also an Alolan Diglett's cave. They call it Diglett's Cave in Alola. That's, again, it's... some mainland <clears throat> cultural bullshit. No, I mean, they both... have more to harp on. They're both Diglett's, are they not? It's just like the Diglett's made cave. I'm sure there are lots of Diglett's caves around the world. We just happen to know of two because those are the only two we've encountered in the game so far. Uh, but yeah, the regular original recipe Diglett is ground. The, as I called it earlier, extra crispy from Alola is ground and steel. And that's another interesting uh, dual typing kind of alternate to the mainland Diglett that we've 
come to know and love. But I'm more concerned with just the general biology here because there's a lot to unpack in terms of <laughs> what they establish as the lore for Diglett. Um, let's start <laughs> with the fact that this thing supposedly does have legs. It yeah. does have paws and legs. So we've really only seen the head, right? Yes. Yeah. Which raises a really weird question to me, where we're always seeing it depicted as like just coming out of the ground, kind of poking around. Mm -hmm. uh, but you fight battles in the water sometimes against swimmers and water Pokemon and everything. Where does it dig from? What's going on there? I think if it's in the water, it has a situation like, uh, what's the legendary Pokemon on the cover of Pokemon Ruby that has that little patch of land that fights that it like is stranded on? Oh, Groudon. Uh, Groudon. Yeah. He's, uh, he, it, it's like that. I think that any Diglett summoned on water just automatically is able to, to summon <laughs> a little, like, sandbar or Or maybe he just stays by the shore? <laughs> I mean, you're out in the middle of the water sometimes. Yeah. You're in open water that's between true. Cinnabar and sea foam. Right. But, I mean, that's like killing your Diglett if you summon it on water. The ground <laughs> is weak to water. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, that's... So you're gonna so like you're so desperate to battle somebody out in the ocean that like you're gonna summon your Diglett and basically kill it without your, the other Pokemon having to make a move. <laughs> God, I would love that if that was a factor in the game. Like you send out a fire type or a ground type or a rock type into the water and then just instantly like you idiot. Supposedly, supposedly, I'm the negative sadist on this podcast, but Darling is the one here enjoying <laughs> fantasies of Diglets being like I mean, you killed like by their own animals train. against. Like, you use Magikarp on land all the time, right? Or at least you can. Yeah, I mean, can you really use Magikarp? <laughs> so, my thought on this when I heard when I read this uh, little tidbit that Diglet do have legs. Mm -hmm. um, was I don't know if you guys you guys have, we're all extremely online people as you could say <laughs> yeah we've seen that horrifying Thomas the Train meme where it's like the face and the bot and like it's an X-ray of Thomas the Tank Engine and it's like a human body yes yes out. oh god I'll put a link to it in the show notes folks I'm yeah. gonna ruin and make it so that none of you can sleep after listening to this well while we're doing that also put in the show notes a link to my favorite weird stupid image on the internet a x-ray of what's below Doug Trio, where it's actually three really buff guys wearing <laughs> pink thongs, just kind of huddled together while their heads poke out of the ground. That just reminds me of like those carnival put your head here things, and I would love to do that. <laughs> it's a Pokemon that's actually just a face and hole. Well, I'd like it actually if it was the reverse of that. So in this case, you're putting your face behind the Doug Trio <laughs> face, and then your body is what's underground. <laughs> <laughs> assume like the head is like most of the body and like this had like little legs like i this is more head i imagine looking a lot like like dog bird or something <laughs> like dog bird yeah so it's like a scott adams anime character uh yeah while we're on the subject of scott adams this is my this is my now weekly statement of fuck that guy <laughs> Let's pick another conservative that I hate. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't created an anime yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, anime. Dilbert Gaiden. Uh, they're fans of him, I'm sure. <laughs> Dilbert Gaiden. Uh, anyway, so Doug, Doug, no Diglett, Diglett. So I had a theory about the whole about the whole uh, about the whole legs thing that the legs that we noted. Thing. Yeah, like the fact that Diglett has legs, but we don't ever see it and all that. I think this is another uh, nod to the dummy ash in a coma theory. Yes. Which is that he has, in his 12 years until he got into that coma, never actually seen a Diglett in person. He's just only ever seen really? gophers. Like, what he's actually trying to picture in his coma are gophers. <laughs> and he's never actually seen one, just like them darting their heads away. So he, th so he can't picture them having any limbs. <laughs> so in his little coma fantasy, they're just these little rounded balls that he sees ducking under the ground at the speed of light. See, oh, well, I mean, a second that, <laughs> Buck, I have a follow-up, which is that I think it's the same idea, except Ash has never seen a gopher either. He's only played whack-a-mole. <laughs> I love that. And I love that we're like I love that we're building up the Ash in a coma theory. We don't even have to do a bonus episode on it. It's now it is now podcast canon. It's lore. <laughs> so wait, there's also gophers in the Pokemon world? Presumably. They don't play like whack a diglet. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah. I would not be surprised if that was like a background joke, like the Pokemon's like own take on like a Bojack Horseman sure. back background joke. Yeah. <laughs> but 
you know, to go back to the speed of light thing, that's another mm-hmm. thing that Gary apparently says in the show. Yeah. Which validates Darling's favorite pet theory of dippy 11-year-olds tricking professors. We have it on record. Gary actually so states So, Gary that. says this to Professor Oak, right? Yes. Here's my thought is that his internal monologue is like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, kid. I've got a, yeah, a smash sesh with Ash's mom in 10 minutes. Not going to bother correcting you on this one. <laughs> Like, Professor Oak is basically just Rick. Again, podcast podcast canon is that Professor Oak is a huge player. Sure. We've established like that. Jonas Venture of the <laughs> Yes. The, I just watched the, uh, I watched the Diggle episode last night also. It's, yeah. like, a, it's, a, it's like a sweet episode, actually. Hmm. Do tell. Uh, like, basically the premise is that, like, there's, like, land developers that want to, like, build on this mountain, but they need somebody to get rid of the Diglets, and instead of, like, any of the Pokemon, like, fighting Diglett, they all, like just refuse to come out of the, like, their Pokeballs, and, like, they take, they, there's, like, solidarity among them. <laughs> Pokemon unionizing. Yeah. <laughs> there's a Pokemon yeah. Nice, nice. But we find out, the thing is that they, like, they don't want to mess with the Diglets, because apparently the Diglets, like, kind of build that whole, like, landscape. They, like, form the mountains, and they plant the trees, which, like, uh, does, I don't know how far out that goes. Mm, well, we'll get to that in Mon's world, I'm sure. But... <laughs> I love that there's a Pokemon Solidarity episode. That makes me very happy. There are a couple of those, actually. There's, like, this one episode I remember, and this isn't directly relevant to today's episode, but I do remember this being one of my favorite episodes where all the Pokemon get separated from their respective trainers, mm-hmm. both Team Rocket's Pokemon oh, and Ash's Pokemon, yeah. mm-hmm. and they all have to work together to find each other yeah. on, like, this island. It was a really like, cute Meowth, episode. Like, that, that butts heads with all of them, right? Yeah, Meowth is, like, the one Pokemon that has, like, strict allegiance to the whole, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, there are enemies thing, and Arbok and Weezing are just, like... It's more or less like, hey, we don't actually hate you. We just do what our trainers tell us to. <laughs> and, like, they actually work together, and it's really sweet. That's and delightful. It's like what they do to the Pokemon even crueler than <laughs> Well, <laughs> it's, all, it's like professional wrestling. It's all kayfabe. It was that episode that was meant to make you think. <laughs> so, moving on to Doug Trio. Speaking of the fact that we have a Pokemon that supposedly breaks the theory of relativity by being able to submerge <laughs> at the speed of light. Yeah. We also have in Doug Trio a Pokemon that can dig through the earth at the speed at which a cheetah runs. That is the official speed, 65 miles an well, that's hour. That's why they have like earthquake power, right? Is that one of their things? Yeah, they can create earthquakes. They're they're like noted in the Pokédex for being able to cause small earthquakes with their digging and movement. You um, know what this means, right? Gary thinks that cheetahs run at the speed of light. <laughs> 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 I'm just thinking about this. I'm thinking about this poor Pokemon, like trying to live in an urban zone and like crap and not. They don't mention that they have echolocation or anything like that to know where they're digging. So like this poor Pokemon like runs into a concrete foundation of like the Beverly Center or something like that, or and then just like turns into paste. <laughs> so that's how that's how Dugtrio helped fertilize the earth. Apparently, that reminds me of one of my favorite Pokemon images in the Team Rocket expansion of the trading card game. There was the Dark Dugtrio card which depicts a Dugtrio just burrowing into the middle of a bedroom in a house and just breaking stuff. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's just horrifying. Well, I love like, it so much. Apparently, like, crazy strong, right? Yeah. But they're also terrifying from a, a Dr. Moreau standpoint. <laughs> because this is the big one that I've wanted to discuss. We're Ugh. going to discuss this. We're going to encounter this again, which is the hive mind aspect of this particular Pokemon. Well, I have what? a note about that. Like, you were saying... About Jigglypuff and Wigglytuff, like how it's such a phoned-in, lazy evolution design. I think that stuff like this, the let's add two more heads, <laughs> that you'll see here and then again with Dodrio, mm-hmm. like that's even more lazier. Like this is literally like three diglets. Or like a <laughs> oh, yeah. that'd be good. I like that. I mean, I... And I think even the Alolan design doesn't <laughs> do anything great. I will get to the Alolan design in a minute because I'm bottling up that hatred. It's like a champagne bottle where the cork's about to bust. <laughs> but for now, I do want to discuss, like, what do we think happens to a Dugtrio if you somehow were to forcibly, like, if your hands could move a mile an hour faster than the speed of light and you could snatch one of those heads away before they submerged, what would happen? <laughs> like, do we think that it's like, so So, are, are we picturing, like, knowing that Diglett have, are quadrupeds yeah. underneath the ground, Apparently. are they, like, all group hugging under there? Like, Well, to be fair, we know they have legs. We don't know how many. Yeah, we don't actually know what, like how many legs they have at all. Oh god, don't terrify me picturing like a centipede. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's like <laughs> now it's like Doug Trio centipede, like the human centipede or down there. Oh, too far. Like, <laughs> octopus, possibly. 
<laughs> it's like a land squid. <laughs> Game Freak, if you're listening, please just show us the diglet. Yeah. Make us all Sounds sleep well. Like we need to see like a duck trio like burst out of the earth like a whale free willying. <laughs> Can we have like a duck trio episode where they're escaping from the safari zone and they just like leap out of the earth over a wall? <laughs> Speak of whales, just have to throw this out here. So we know that Doug, well, diglet is the smallest. Pokemon we've encountered so far at a mere eight inches tall. At least what we see of it. Someone has measured these diglets, son. I feel like there was a dick joke coming here, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Oak was like, yeah, I know that's about eight inches. <laughs> Good lord. One of the drawings uh, that, uh, for that one article that you posted, uh, isn't that the implication that like diglets are just another diglet stick? <laughs> if it's too late now, let me remind you, this is an adults podcast. <laughs> Sorry, children. That's why we're marked explicit, kids. Yep. Yeah, uh, but you know, we're going to get into some sexy times here. Dim the lights because I've got a little bit of a breeding fact here. Despite being only eight inches tall, Diglett can somehow breed with Waylord. Which is a 47-foot-tall fucking whale. Oh Diglets God. bury themselves in the earth, and they bury themselves in that <laughs> whale cooter. <laughs> I just... I really need to know how this became a thing that they were like at Game Freak. Yeah, no, that's doable. That checks out. Diglet, use dig. <laughs> it's like a donkey and the dragon track. <laughs> oh. oh. Wait, so wait, what do their offspring look like? Is that another animal? Oh, well, with the breeding that was introduced in the second generation, it's basically like the female of the two monsters. You get that one, but then it knows one of the male's uh, moves. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it'll produce either a Diglet or a Waylord egg. Okay. Yeah, you do not get, like, this whale-sized <laughs> diglet that's, like, screaming, kill me. <laughs> God. Alolan Doug Trio. I've got issues. This thing just feels like, it felt like to me, like, some whitewashing bullshit. And, darling, I'll, let, I'll note that you corrected me, but I just can't get behind this blonde-haired surfer boy bullshit that is supposed to be Hawaiian. So, please, darling. Well... I believe Alolan Doug Trio is the Alolan variant with the most direct Hawaiian origin. I'm dropping that particular glove here. In addition to being tanner than its Kanto cousin, mostly because it's out in the sun a lot more, I would say, the hair isn't just a surfer dude gag. It's based on Pele's hair, a crazy phenomenon <laughs> in which lava turns into thin, brittle glass that resembles blonde hair. This is real. Uh, Pele, of course, is the Hawaiian goddess of volcanoes, and it's canonical in the Pokedex that alone Doug Trios are viewed as feminine deities. So, if anything, most Hawaiian-inspired of the various Alolan variants, I think. And I stand corrected, and I'm glad that I could be educated in that way. But that being said, I just don't like Doug Trios. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the hair idea. The fact that they have three different hairstyles is very silly. I mean, I my main thing, and I was toying around with this... Uh, you know, I'll, I'm spoiling my Mon Mod here, and we'll get to that in a second, but, you know, I have... I think they could have gone with a different design. Sure. I think that we saw so many cool... We've already encountered so many cool Alolan designs. Even, like, the simple Dark Rattata and Dark Raticate <laughs> were so cool what for being such... What does Dark Rattata look like? Uh, it's standing up, and it kind of looks like it's constantly saying, Mwah, see? I'll show you later. <laughs> it's got more of a little mustache going on with its oh, whiskers. Gross. Yeah. I deferred to Darling to give that description just so I could hear him say, Mrah, see? Darling's got that in the back. But I think your description of it being, is good enough. And then it turns into Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Yeah. Or Marlon Brando in real life in the 90s. Upright Marlon Brando. Which brings us back to the island of Dr. Moreau. So let's, uh, but let's go from Dr. Moreau into how we would Dr. Moreau one of these Pokemon today. <laughs> so this that is the a transition. This is the segment I like to call Mon Mods. One change to any individual Pokemon in, or family that we think would improve the Pokemon, whether it's design, typing, what have you. Um, I've already kind of teased mine, so I'll just jump right in, which is, you know, Dugtrio and Alolan Dugtrio and Doug Diglett are steel types. I kind of wish we had, like, a little bit more evidence of it being a steel type in its appearance. Well, I don't think there is. The hair is supposed to be metal, but, yeah, that's just word of God. Supposedly, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, you know, I, I wish there was, like, maybe a little bit more of, like, a drill bit type of, like, hint in its design or something like that. So, you know, just make it... That's my general feedback, is make it look a little bit more steely. Sure. Um, than just, like, 
oh, we're the Hawaiian version <laughs> with fancy surfer hair inspired by the goddess Pele. Is that like, how they speak? Yes. Because <laughs> that's how I imagine them speaking with their fancy hair that they're shaking out every other word. Um, so that's my Mon Mon for the day. Mr. Chow, if you'd like to follow. I think you got to give those Doug Trios a star nose. <laughs> I love that idea. I, I love the star nose idea. And maybe it's, maybe it's functional. It's like limbs. Maybe that's how they uh, find their way underground so they yeah. don't cream themselves into concrete foundations all the time. <laughs> so. And Mr. Darling, would you like to close us out? Uh, it's pretty simple. Paris pre-evolution that's just a bug type and has free will. I like it. I actually think that's so logical that like I'm surprised they haven't done it now. But... Yeah. Actually, in the, but I mean, like in the Pokedex, they do say that Paris, when they're born, are born with like the fertilizer, hmm. like oh, as so part of like their growth process. So oh. they automatically start growing those spores. Hmm. I mean, like, Kangaskhans are apparently born pregnant, so that's not even the weirdest one. Yeah, we've got a lot of logical fallacies in Ugh. Pokemon rearing and upbringing. This is the least the of them. One, oh, but like it's top here. That's for sure. <laughs> but maybe there is an Alolan Paris that we'll discover at some point, or another region's version of a Paris that does not have the parasite on its back and takes a completely different evolutionary tract. Game freak, don't let us down. <laughs> um, but from that, we go into. Not how we would change the Pokemon in their existing world, but how would we bring them into our world? This is Mon's world. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my world. Mr. Darling, would you like to lead us off on this one? Well, let's see. I think we could use us uh, the Diglets. Uh, because in Ruby and Sapphire it says that they're raised in farms and the reason is simple. Wherever the Pokemon burrows, the soil is left perfectly till tilled, tilled for planting crops. The soil is made ideal for growing delicious vegetables, it says. And, you know, considering they build full tunnels in Kanto and Alola, they're probably great at excavation. Get a few diglets and boom, subway tunnels already dug out. Yeah, we would not be waiting until 2022 for the uh, purple line extension that'll get me to the office. That's a Los Angeles really inside baseball <laughs> moment for any listeners who are not in Los Angeles. Uh, sorry. <laughs> it's an LA podcast. We're going to deal with LA. <laughs> Mr. Chow. Uh, so I think you talked before about maybe using the mushrooms as like a drug, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to go into that first? And I, can I mean, I just, that? you know, I'm, I, I think I'm going to kind of like loop Venomoth into that. And I yeah. guess we're having the same thought. Oh, which Venomoth. Is that like huh. Venomoth having like, because the Pokedex does mention that its scales define which kind of poison it's able to release. Huh. Maybe there is a Venomoth just like there are different strains of mushrooms, mm. Paris and Parasect, yeah. that can also like produce psychedelic effects. Sure. I think that there are Venomoth and Paris that are raised exclusively for drug production. Oh yeah. There hey are... man, hey man, you got any Venomoth? Oh yeah, there is there's an eyewitness news special on in the Pokemon world tonight about your teens are using Venomoth to get high. <laughs> what's it's... the what's the verb for doing Venomoth? Venning. Venning, okay. It's like kids are covering it by saying, Oh no, we're talking about Venmo when really they're Venning. <laughs> Are they paying each other back for hot for Oddish slaw and hot dogs, or are they venom? But what gets you higher, Oddish or Venomoth? I mean, I don't think Oddish gets you high because I don't think that has enough poison. And but I mean, remember, Gloom is the one that's so poisonous oh, yeah. that it's getting high on its own supply. Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so I think that we've got drug poten illicit drug potential in the Paris and the Venomoths. Um, I think Venonat is just it is what its name says. It's just a pest. Um, Parasect, I think, is just a fucking terror. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's like the, it looks exactly like the uh, brain bug from Starship Troopers. <laughs> yeah. Paul Verhoeven's Detective Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, and I made, a, uh, I made a reference in the Nidoran episode to, uh, to the Pokemon universe's uh, fatal attraction, ah. cooking a Nidoran. <laughs> um, but in our Pokemon universe's Caddyshack, Bill Murray is facing off against a uh, very wily Diglett, oh, in of my course. opinion. So. So that's that's my take on Mon's world. Uh, Chow, you have any last additions you want to make to that? Or? Uh, so jumping off of your thing, Blue, uh, you said the the, the parasect like shrooms would be used as like a drug, but we have uh, have we considered like what the side effects are? Because we know that this like spore like it it's a parasite. It feeds on another being and like kind of mind controls it. So I'm wondering if that'd be an aspect of this drug. 
I think it would be. I think that's kind of like what we call opening our minds. That's like, <laughs> the side effect is you suddenly feel open to new adventures. <laughs> so like it's like uh, salvia. For five minutes, you're freaking out and you're being possessed by this mushroom, and then you're done. And for some reason, everybody's epiphany they have on this drug is, I need to move to the country and start farming, man. <laughs> so I think it could be used for that. I think initially, like, here in the States, it'd be initially used for insidious purposes. Because I think it would probably be used by, what, what's Japan's version of the CIA? <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know. I mean, I know in-game, they have, like, the international police. Like, sure. that's what Looker is a member of, so... Do you think so? Are right, you I suggesting? Want, darling, wait, wait. I want to point out that in the real world, we have an international police. We call them Interpol. Yes, but these That's, are called the international it's police. It's an interesting. It's an interesting portmanteau that is a combination of international and police. <laughs> we're wondering where that name came from. Really, I didn't but know that. <laughs> Sound off, King. No, but the, <laughs> in game they're called the international police because Interpol is probably trademarked, but international police is generic enough that they can get away with it. <laughs> they were like, we'll let the band operate as a psyop, but outside of that. That's why you only ever hear about Interpol and Sherlock. They're, that's the one franchise that's allowed to use. Ah. You never hear about it in James Bond for sure. some reason. Right, right. So I do well, think. That's just, oh, I was just going to say, side note, like I mentioned Interpol the band. One of my favorite rock and roll stories is one day the Rolling Stones are in their dressing room and like their manager knocks on the door and says, Guys, the police are here. And so they're like, oh shit, oh shit. And they start flushing the drugs down the toilet and everything. And then it turns out it's the band, the police. Sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Who's on first? No, is there, that's true, though. Like, there are so many, like, weird Rolling Stones stories out there because, of course, there are. Sure. But anyway, so the, the international police. Oh, yeah, I think they're using this mushroom for interrogation. Truth serum. Yeah. Ooh, absolutely. Man. That's pretty, I like or that. Or like an MK Ultra sort of thing where they're doing acid <laughs> tests. I mean, that's what LSD was originally developed oh, yeah. for, too. Like, it was developed by, like, military science. Was I thought it? it was supposed to treat, like, PTSD. Uh, maybe. Like. I'm not, I'll have to look into it. I know that the, I know the doctor who invented LSD, he didn't have anyone to test it on, so he was just like, well, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> so the guy who invented LSD also had the first LSD trip. Yeah, to my understanding, he actually tested it by accident because he was at, like, he put the tabs with it, with it in his pocket or something like that, and it, like, got into his skin through perspiration. Uh, huh. Interesting. So. <laughs> oh, God. That's so, horrifying. Actually. Yeah, that's... So welcome to the Requiem for a Mon Men edition of <laughs> Mon Men. Um, but let's move from Mon's world into what is always my favorite segment. Mon Appetit. If you'd like my personal crack medicine. Surprise. All right, I will lead us off this time because this time, as creeped out as I am by mushrooms in their living form, I do love them as a delicacy. Oh yeah, they're tasty. They are tasty, especially when prepared properly. And this time I would go with, just like we have stuffed portobello mushrooms, I'm gonna go with stuffed parasect mushrooms. So that's my thought. And I'm thinking maybe a little, uh, I'm gonna pull from a little callback, a little diced oddish. A little diced oddish <laughs> friends, nice little seasoning in there. I think sure. that I think that's a nice, lovely little open appetizer. <laughs> My question is: Does cooking it get you high? Does it remove the? If we've already accepted that it's an hallucinatory mushroom. I mean, just like I think there are different breeds of mushrooms. I think there might be different strains of mushroom that, like, for on the Paris like back in different regions that are fine to eat. Some cause you to trip. Some are straight up poisonous, maybe. Sure. So we need a spoink to find the good truffles, basically. Ooh. <laughs> There may be, maybe there is like a Paris like white truffle equivalent. <laughs> the How shiny. Would that be? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What color is the shiny, by the way? I think I looked and the shiny is just like more red or something. Yeah. It's not that exciting. The only exciting shiny this week was the Diglett line. And that's weird because like originally they would wind up with blue ground mm -hmm. as a shiny. But then in every generation after generation two, they change it to just like the nose is going to be blue now. The ground is normal. That's like that is so that's lazy. boring. Yeah, yeah it's that's... weird that it's a shiny that got worse. You don't I, have any of those. I continue to stand by my theory that the shiny forms being phoned in imply that the Pokemon designers hate this Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chow, so, what are you eating? I think you mentioned earlier, like the Paris kind of looks like a lobster. I think you just got to broil it up. You got like a nice like Paris Thermidor. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking crack open a Paris. He's like, I'm not a mushroom guy. I tried some very nice mushrooms last yeah. night, and 
the flavor all over the mushroom was great, but then the texture and taste of the mushroom itself just couldn't do it. A Paris bisque actually does sound Ooh, pretty good. Yeah. That does sound nice. I'm kind of I'm kind of envious of your guys' choice this week. <laughs> See, right. you're eating the mushroom. We're taking the rest of it. <laughs> we use every bit of the buffalo here. Well, I've got I've got bad news that I'll announce on the podcast. I jumped back on the wagon once more. I'm a vegetarian again. So here we are. So that's huh. why I went with the mushroom pick this week. I found a way around it, but I will continue eating meat for this show's sake. <laughs> I am going to murk some Pokemon next episode. You'll eat fictional meats. I will fictionally eat the hell out of some meat next episode. Oh yeah, it's all meat next time. But before we jump into the preview for next episode, Mr. Chow, I want to say thank you so much for being here. I've got I've to reminisce about a moment here to close us out, which is that the first time I met Michael Chow in person. I actually slipped into an H. John Benjamin Archer impression. Oh, yeah. Completely unconsciously. I was like, Chow? The Chow? And raced across a bar that we were at to introduce myself to <laughs> For those not in the know, they were Twitter followers but didn't yeah. know each other. I didn't even know he lived in LA. <laughs> I don't think I knew what you looked like either. Yeah, I, for some reason, I was astonished to find that you do not look like John Goodman <laughs> in person. Abby is John Goodman from Speed Racer, which is not what I currently look like. Maybe one, I don't know, maybe one day. That's the dream. <laughs> You're saving up for that cosmetic surgery. Yeah, I want the Goodman. I think at the time I had Hobbs as my AV, so uh, okay. I think that may have been why we just did not expect each other to sure. look the way we did. But I was super excited. So I think like Darling probably just said I was here, and then you saw me, and you just darted. <laughs> I had to ask him to point you out. First, and I was like, yes. <laughs> um, oh man, well thank you so much for coming. Is there anything you'd like to plug before uh, before you go? We'd love to have you back sometime. Oh yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I guess you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you could. I'm at uh, Sriracha Chow, which is S R I R A C H A C H A U. Uh, yeah, you can just follow me there. Great, Mr. Darling. If you'd like to set us up, what Pokemon are we going to be covering next time? Who's that Pokemon? Well, uh, next time we're doing the Meowth line, the Psyduck line, and the Mankey line. Like these are three, well, two key anime players and one minor anime player, I recall. Yeah. Psyduck's great. I'm We're going to have fun with Psyduck. So, Poor that bastard. being said, I want to thank you all for being here again. Once again, I'm Yonato Blue. I'm still Michael Darling. All right, thanks for being here. Like